I'm asked all the time sometimes, especially now by men, they're like, you know, why do you, why only women? Why? Only? And I'm like, I only work with women because it's very unique the way we're conditioned our, you know, our culture and its impact and what's appropriate and what's not biologically, the way we communicate our subtext girl code. There's just so much that makes it a little different from, from men in the way they communicate. Welcome to better with Dr. Stephanie. I am your host, Dr. Stephanie Estima. This show is for women just like you with a deep desire for learning, self-actualization, and becoming more of who you already are. Every week, we are going to deconstruct how to build better bodies, better minds, better relationships, better sex, and better families. I'll be giving you access to world-class thought leaders to help give you the tools to answer this question. What are the simplest things that you can do today to get better tomorrow? I am part geek, part magic, and want to share the juiciest questions, topics, and often taboo conversations that I think I've always wanted to be a part of and I wanted to be having. So let's get better together. Hey, Bettys, welcome back to Better with Dr. Stephanie. I'm your host, Dr. Stephanie Estima. I am just delighted to bring you this conversation today, and we are talking all about female friendships. And I interviewed Danielle Bayer Jackson, who is a certified friendship coach. I didn't even know that that was a thing, but she is a certified friendship coach. She's a national speaker and she is dedicated to teaching women how to create and maintain meaningful female friendships. She's been featured on NBC News for her expertise, quoted in outlets like Psychology Today and The Insider. And I thought that this was a really important conversation to bring to you because, you know, we've all been locked up uh, for the past 18 months or so, some more than others. And let's just face it, we're all awkward now. <laughs> like We just speak. We just talk to our computer all day long. We talk to Zoom and maybe we've, you know, amped up our Zoom game, but our in real life, our IRL uh, has really suffered versus our URL game. So Danielle is going to be speaking to us all about how to meet people, how to cultivate uh, meaningful female friendships, how to go from, you know, maybe some of the outer rim acquaintance, you know, level friendship into more of a meaningful inner circle type of friendship. And then we also talk about what happens when there's conflict. This is something that I think females generally have a hard time voicing, partly due to our conditioning. We're always taught to just smile or to let it go, or it's not that big of a deal. And she walks us through some strategies in terms of how to communicate when something, somebody has said something that's either been hurtful or you want some clarification on what they meant to be able to understand their point of view a little bit better. And then we also talk about what happens when friendships end and how to deal with that heartbreak, um, because it is a heartbreak and many 
you know, our cultural norms are such that, you know, we have songs and we have, you know, therapy dedicated to the breakup of a romantic relationship, but there isn't a lot of tolerance or space for a female, like a friendship breakup. Like, what do you do? You know, if you're missing that person or you have something that you want to share with them, you know, how do we get over that and how do we process those feelings? So she walks us through that. Um, Danielle is such an expert excellent speaker. I really enjoyed talking to her. And this is probably one of the questions that I get asked most, not the most regular question, but it is, it happens often enough that I was just thrilled when Danielle reached out to me uh, to be on the pod because female friendships, it's tricky. You know, women, we tend to pair up really intimately uh, with our female friends and, you know, when it can end or even just allowing yourself to open up to allow a friendship in can be a scary thing, especially for us, you know, type A controlling type of perfectionist uh, Betty. So I think that she did just an excellent job in parsing apart men, all of the different colors of friendship and what that, and what that really means. So before we get into our show today, I did also just want to mention that we have a program that I'm really proud of, and we are starting this coming week. It is called Betty Hormones. And Betty Hormones is all about helping you reclaim your hormones. So whether you are in your reproductive years, including perimenopause, or if you are menopausal, we are going to be talking about the different array of hormones and how we can optimize them so that you can feel and look your best. So we're going to be talking about the different phases of the menstrual cycle for my reproductive, my women who are still in perimenopause and in their reproductive years how our menstrual cycle changes throughout perimenopause through to menopause, what nutrition, supplementation, and behaviors we can start implementing today to help improve our symptoms, whether those are hot flashes, moodiness, sleep disturbances, PMS, heavy bleeding, poor sleep, you name it. We're going to talk about the symptoms and how to address them. We're going to talk about adaptogens. We're going to be talking about how to change uh, even if you're perimenopausal or menopausal, how we can cycle our nutrition, how we can cycle our exercise and how we can help with that. And we're going to, we're going to really work on, on estrogen balance. We're going to work on testosterone balance, on cortisol balance, on progesterone balance, supplements for menopause, creating circadian rhythms for, and strategies for sleep. And for those of you wanting to do hormone tests, we will talk about um, tests, normal lab ranges and optimal lab ranges. So just really, really proud of this program. I think it's going to help a lot of women. We are going to live record the uh, each and every class. It's every Wednesday. And if you're not able to make the class, then it's recorded for you and you'll be able to have it um, as a lifetime access. So you'll be able to ask your questions. And even if you're not able to attend, have your, have your questions answered as well. So you can head over to hellobetty.club forward slash Betty hormones. So that's H E L L O B E T T Y dot C L U B forward slash B E T T Y dash hormones, H O R M O N E. Yes. Really hope to see you there. And I think that you're going to get a ton of value from this. Hormones are by far the most common question that I receive in addition to diet questions. And we're going to do both of those in one big mashup in Betty Hormones. 
I wanted to share with you my current obsession and highly likely long-term relationship with my red light therapy device by Orion. Now I've done a geeky magic episode on this, but red and near infrared light are very unique wavelengths of light in that they do, they do not get blocked by the sun. So like UV rays are blocked by the sun, red and near infrared um, penetrate very deeply into to our bodies. And I have been using the Orion red light therapy device for a while now. And I can say that there, it has made a profound impact on my muscle recovery. And when we look at the mechanism of action in terms of what's going on, why red light therapy, why would we even think about this as an adjunct to a healthy lifestyle? Well, what's going on is when we are using red and near infrared light, it is stimulating the mitochondria in our cells, which is our cells energy generators. And this is what's responsible basically for generating pretty much all the energy that's needed by a very you know diverse myriad of all of your cells in order to function. So whether it's your brain cells, your heart cells, your liver cells, muscle cells, skin cells, basically every organ gland in the body, every cell depends on energy. And red light therapy has so much data on the positive effects that it has on things like anti-aging for the skin. And I am a vain woman. You know this about me and you know that I'm going to be, if there is a natural way for me to avoid using, um, you know, any type of surgical intervention or otherwise, I am all about it. So skin, anti-aging, it helps with muscular performance, muscular recovery, fat loss, hello, reducing brain fog and improving systemic pain and inflammation. It also has been shown to help with hair regrowth. So my ladies with PCOS who are noticing that thinning uh, on the temples and basically healing to literally dozens of other uh, types of uh, cells. And while this might may seem too good to be true, um, the reason why it can be applied generally across the body is because pretty much every system in the body requires these mitochondrial cells in order to produce energy. So I wanted to tell you about my product, the Orion. Uh, so if you head over to orionrlt.ca, so bonus, they're a Canadian company and I always like to promote companies from the motherland. I The, the, the code that I can offer you is 10% off of any device that they have on their website. So the code that you will use at checkout is Stephanie10, that's S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-E, and the numbers one zero. And that'll give you 10% off of everything in the store. And I will also put a link in the show notes for you to just have it. It'll be a click away and you can click over and it'll automatically apply that. Now, Orion ships worldwide and in they will ship to Canada, the States, Europe, Australia, wherever you are listening from. And they will also include the appropriate voltage, the appropriate plug for the country of your choice. So I absolutely love my Orion. I hope that you will be able to get the benefits of it as well. Please enjoy my conversation with friendship coach, Danielle Bayard Jackson. I get a lot of questions about how to ease perimenopause and menopause symptoms. And here's a really simple answer for you. Take a good mineral supplement. 
Your body loses a ton of minerals as you transition through perimenopause and menopause, and mineral deficiencies make a lot of the common symptoms worse. For example, if you're struggling with poor sleep, fatigue, joint pain, hot flashes, or any other side effects that are wearing you down, you might think about giving Beam Minerals a try. Their full-spectrum mineral supplement contains every single mineral that you lose during perimenopause and menopause, and there is a meaningful dose here with close to 100% bioavailability. All you have to do is take a shot of liquid every morning to replenish your mineral stores and ease the symptoms that you might be experiencing. Beam Minerals just taste like water, and you'll feel the difference within a few days. Head over to beamminerals.com and use the code BETTER for 20% off. Danielle Bayer-Jackson, I am just tickled to welcome you to the Better Podcast today. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes. And I was just saying to you in the pre-chat, I'm so happy that we connected because one of the things that I'm asked shockingly more so than I ever thought I would was this idea around female friendships. How do we cultivate them? How do we make new friends? And we're going to talk about that today. And you are a certified bona fide friendship coach, which I have never heard of that before. So as we, as we dive into the art of making friends as a woman in 2021, maybe we can start with what it means. What is a friendship coach? What does that mean? How did you find this line of work? Yeah. So it's so funny because normally when I do tell people like, oh, I'm a friendship coach, you know, I'm, I'm preparing myself for the eyebrows kind of lift in suspicion. Like, I'm sorry, what now? Um, so I'm used to getting a reaction that's like uh, surprised. Um, you know, but I say, thank God these days we can get support in virtually any area. So my idea is why not get support in what I would argue was one of the most important relationships you'll ever have. And so um, I was actually a high school English teacher for six years. And so that's when I kind of heard in the hallways and after school, you know, I'm teaching juniors and seniors. So 18 year olds are coming to me and, and they want to talk through their friendship issues, almost in like a big sisterly way. Um, and after six years, I left and I got into public relations. So I foolishly thought, oh, that's teenage stuff. But now when I'm talking to these high powered women, you know, vice presidents of startups, I'm hearing them talk about how they don't have any friends at all because they're so career driven or because they're new moms and, and they lost touch. And so that's when I had an aha moment of, oh, my goodness, this is an issue at every stage of womanhood, creating and navigating friendships with other women. And so um, one night I went on Amazon and I was looking for books on friendship. At the time, there weren't any. And if there were some, they were for kids. And I thought, is this what we think of friendship? Like that's child's play. Um, so while we have so many uh, resources for mom life and how to be a better wife and how to be a boss in the boardroom, what do we have to support us in our relationships with other women? So I you know, already was an educator, but I decided to get certified as a coach. And now for the past two years, women call me in to help them with some of their most pressing friendship issues. So that ranges from how to make friends, how do I have this hard conversation with my friend tomorrow? Um, I'm still uh, feeling the pain after a breakup. What do I do? And so um, they look like one-on-one -on -one sessions, the way you can get support with anything else. And so far, it's been a really fun journey. 
I, I think that is so important because I think that in the context of female friendship, there's a lot of myth, like there's a lot of romanticism and, you know, I call it like the sex in the city sort of fairy tale that these are your ride or dies, like no matter what, you're going to be able to go for brunch with your girlfriends. You're going to talk to them about every single detail of your sex life, of all these things. And you're not going to be able to, you're not going to get judged. And it's just this utopia. And I think that, I mean, maybe you can speak to a little bit about that myth around female friendship, because I remember, you know, you're talking about these high powered women. I remember going through, um, chiropractic college and really feeling isolated, right? Like my friends that I knew in university were either, you know, continuing, like they had finished their degree and I was doing this professional degree. So I was very much feeling isolated and alone. And I remember watching sex in the city. I'm totally dating myself now, but like watching (laughs) sex in the city and going like, wow, like where do these unicorn women find there's like a PR person and a writer and a gallery owner and these, and the high powered lawyer and all they have time every week to get together. Like, is that what's wrong with me that I don't have this group of friends to, to share my life with. And isn't that like a beautiful fantasy, Dr. Stephanie, just like the women they're, they're ready every weekend. They're available. They look great. They look (laughs) great. Oh yeah. That's a must in the fantasy. You always look great. Yeah. You know, I definitely think that's, that's a part of, of, um, a series of issues that we have with the depiction of female friendship. You know, I have, I've had, you know, sessions with women who are in tears because they don't have a best friend and I want my friend group. I want what I'm seeing. Um, I've also noticed that when some of us do go to brunch, you know, we're taking a bunch of pictures of it, which is fine. We want to document like, having, having a good time, but I wonder how much of it is because we want to capture this moment to show that we have a taste of that elusive thing that everybody's chasing, you know, like, look at me, I got it, but it's not a true depiction of, of every weekend that you're getting with the same four women. You're somehow all available. You look great. You're having fun. There's no tension, you know? And so I'm sure we have these ideas about what female friendship is. If we see it uh, portrayed in the media, it's a very, uh, binary depiction. You either have, you know, a picture of us uh, braiding each other's hair at a sleepover, or you've got us fighting like cats <laughs> right. and dogs. And right. it's like, there's so much in between there. And so, um, so yeah, I think that, that the, the portrayals we see of what female friendship looks like certainly impacts the expectations that we have of friendships we're going into in real life. And then a lot of us are trying to reconcile our fantasy with reality. Yeah. And I love what you just said around this idea of should I have a best friend? And this, I think, is a very female specific thing. Because when we mm-hmm. see men, you know, they tend to flock, you know, in groups, right? They have a close bunch of guys. But for some reason, and maybe you can comment on this, but we seem to want to pair up like individually, like we need to have like my ride or die, my best, my bestie, you know, we, we need to have our best friend. And what, like, first of all, do we need, do we all need to have a best friend? And, um, and secondly, is, um, is that, is that necessary for a female, for our mental health, for our connection? Is that just how we pair up naturally? Yeah. So I have a very unpopular opinion there. This is where women push back with me a little bit. I'm like, that's okay. At least we're having the dialogue. I think the idea of a best friend can be very problematic. I think that, you know, sure. If I have, you know, 10 friends and one of them is just like the best, then by definition, she's my best 
friend, but the romantic notion of this mutually exclusive, um, completely, you know, transcends all seasons of our lives. We're going to be best friends for 50 years in every life season, I think sets us up. And so just like I said, you have women who are wondering what's wrong with me because I don't have one, or we try to make a friendship into one because we feel like we're supposed to have one. Um, I think it's also, you know, uh, it can be an issue when, you know, we have expectations of a best friend. We don't necessarily outline it in the contract, but we expect, well, if you're my best friend, of course, you're going to answer when I call. You're going to know the right things to say. You're going to get all my humor. You're going to understand me without judgment. And you're not going to hang out with anybody else as much as you hang out with me because you're my best friend. And so there are all these unspoken expectations we have of the person we put in that role. And so it can be, you know, it can, it can be a little tricky. Um, and so sometimes I like to emphasize, you know, can you find a way to be satisfied with your, with the collective instead of the single? So can I get everything I need from these three women in my life? You know, maybe one I can't really laugh with a lot, but man, she's such a great listener and makes me feel so seen. And so collectively, I get all I need as a woman from this village um, instead of that romantic idea of the one. I mean, I guess one could argue the same kind of concept with romantic relationships like the one or do you believe that you can you know relationships are malleable and you can form something meaningful with anybody if you put intention behind it and you're committed um and so i know people feel differently about that you know research tells us that our brains can only cognitively handle five close relationships so this is known as dunbar's number so he says that um the idea is that 150 mental connections we can maintain socially our brain 150 but if you think of smaller and smaller concentric circles inside of that big 150 circle the smallest circle has the number five on it meaning my brain can only handle pouring into five people and get this the idea is that if you have a romantic partner that person takes up two of the five spots, leaving you with three. So I like to offer that bit of information as hopefully a, a collective sigh of relief for women listening who are wondering, am I normal? Am I not normal? You know, yes, to have your three girls is totally is totally normal. I also like to offer that in hopes that the, the woman who feels tired, I've heard this sometimes, the woman who feels tired because she's trying to keep up with all her friends, I'm like, of course you're exhausted because you're trying to maintain and cultivate something meaningful with 10 women from college and you're trying to keep it up and, and check in with everybody. And it might be nice socially, but if you feel like you're behind because you're not touching everybody, you don't even have the capacity. So hopefully that offers a little relief of prioritize your three and really go all in on those three to five. I really appreciate that because I think that that alleviates a lot of pressure in the same way that, you know, my partner and I, his name is Giovanni. I say, you know, you like, you're wonderful, you know, you're the guy, but also you're not I, I don't ever want to put the expectation on him that he needs to satisfy, you know, that inner circle that you're describing, like all of those five, you know, posts of people. And so I don't necessarily identify as having a best friend, but I have many different types of people that I am relatively close to, but where I don't have that, you know, I have to get everything, you know, if it's like, I have to get everything from Danielle, she is going to be the one that understands it. I'm going to go to her for absolutely everything, because I think that that puts a lot of pressure on the friend. Like what if 
you don't know what to say or what to do. Like this person comes up with a, they're in a scenario and you don't have the capacity a in your own life or b just, even if you do have the bandwidth to listen to this problem that you don't necessarily have the tools to offer her in terms of how to solve it. So I think that it's a really awesome message that we don't need to have a best friend. And I would, I would extend that to your partner as well. Like, yes, your partner is someone that, you know, you should be close with and there should be alignment and values and all of that. But that to think that that person should be fulfilling all of these different needs. I mean, we can maybe get into some personal work because you're the only person that really is going to fulfill all of your needs. But, you know, if we're talking about interpersonal relations, I think it's dangerous to think that one person can fulfill all of those things for you. Great. Yeah. All right. So let's talk a little bit about, um, making friends. Um, because I, I want to talk about this in the context of, um, it, let's just pretend that there's not a, a pandemic <laughs> that we can all go out. I mean, it's, we're starting to see that that's coming to fruition, uh, anyway now, but then I also want to layer it on the content on, uh, with the idea of a pandemic. And maybe we've become a little socially awkward over the past, you know, year, or, you know, running on, you know, 18 months where we've, you know, I like to sort of say tongue in cheek that like, uh, what I do is I talk to my computer all day long. Like me and my computer have a really great relationship. So get Getting back in IRL, in real life, what does that look like? So let, let's talk about first, you know, what does it take in, you know, this day and age to um, make friendship as an adult? And why is it so hard for us if we're, in, let's say, in our 30s or our 40s or, or beyond? Yeah. So, you know, if you're starting to think like, okay, where do my friends go? What's happening? It's not just in your head. So research tells us that our social network actually grows and grows and grows until about the age of like 25. Somebody else said 29, but the research I saw said 25. And at which point it begins to decline exponentially. And it makes sense because it's like, well, think about it. A couple factors are at play here. The first is um, the social constructs that we had to operate as backdrops to help us meet other people has been totally removed. We're no longer in school. If you were in college, you can't just like walk down the dorm hall and say what's up to the people down, you know, at the cafeteria. That's all been removed. And then, you know, typically the secondary place where we're meeting people is at work. But now we're all working from home. And so all those backdrops have been pulled away. And it's got a lot of us at 25 thinking like, oh, I've never had to practice before. What am I supposed to, what am I supposed to do? Somebody was always facilitating that for me. Um, you know, we also take up different priorities around 25, 26, 27. We're focusing on our careers. That's number one. We're focusing on uh, building something with a partner. And so even how we see friendship, it kind of gets put to the margins of our lives. Like I'll get to it when I have time. And so all those things kind of make it increasingly different difficult to find new friends as an adult, but it's certainly not impossible. The first thing I would suggest is uh, like with anything else, a mindset shift at the risk of sounding life coachy. But first, you know, I hear a lot of mindsets that get in the way. I always refer to seven mindsets that get in the way. I'll just talk about a couple, but one is that it's too late for me. If you believe that your time has passed, then of course that's going to dictate your behavior because you believe it's not possible. Uh, kind of like the inverse of that is thinking that, well, everybody else already has their friends. Or I, I met a woman, she's really cool, she's really funny and smart, but she probably already has her friends. 
And it's like, who, who told you that you told you that, you know? And so a lot of us kind of like have these mindsets that of course are going to hinder you because why would you engage with someone when in the back of your mind, you don't even think it's possible to, to cultivate something meaningful. And so, um, so we have to believe that you can make new friends literally any day that, 68, 75, 23, uh, that it's possible. When it comes to making new friends, you know, there's a couple strategies. I'm going to have strategies for days. This is my jam. Uh, but a couple, you know, high level ones. The first thing I always like to start with is too many of us are using the phrase make new friends with meet new people. And the two aren't necessarily the same. Making a friend refers to the art of cultivating something meaningful with somebody. And who says that process has to start from scratch? A lot of us have a lot of great potential friends all around us, but we've dismissed them for whatever reason. Like she's uh, she's too young or I don't know, she's, she's too shy. I don't know. So we've already done picking and we have people in our lives who are quality candidates or friends of friends. You've always thought she was cool, but you never like made a move. And so I like to say, start there. Can you extend your next conversation with her? But like, two more minutes? Or can you even reach out and say, you know, hey, you know, I know this is random, but I saw this thing today when I was walking around and it reminded me of that party we all went to two years ago. And I just, I don't know, I know it's random, but I, I was thinking of you and I thought I'd send this your way. I mean, most people appreciate that. We're so in our heads about, do I look desperate and weird? But who doesn't want a message that's like, oh my God, I saw this. I thought of you. I know it's random. People love that. And so can you start with people you already know? The second thing is for those of us who are talking at our computer all day, like you said, how can we make the most of those conversations? So a lot of us, if we're in school or if we're having work meetings, how can you extend that opportunity to be social? So for example, let's say I'm in a work meeting and somebody asks a question of the boss and then we all hop off. I email that person and I say, hey, random, but thank you for asking that question in the meeting today because I was thinking it, but it's like, I didn't want to say it. So thank you for having the courage to ask it. That's it. But what I'm doing is I'm slowly taking that person from a work atmosphere to a more like low risk arena to reach out and be like, hey, what's up? Just putting it out there. It might turn into something. It might not, but somebody's got to make it happen. And so, you know, can you can you train your eyes to see social opportunities in non-social, you know, settings? Um, and then, uh, you know, two other things. One, I always like to say develop a routine. A lot of us are at home all day long and our days are kind of like, eh, but can you walk your dog? at the same time every morning? Can you go to the same coffee shop every Friday morning to do your work? But that's when a lot of us were, we, back in the day, we're meeting people. We were involved in bowling leagues and the church, you know, this and that, like we were just very involved and community oriented. And so it's called repeated exposure. It's one of the key ingredients of making a friendship. I just see you all the time. And so it's, you're like the next best thing. And so can you build those opportunities into your day or week where if I'm walking the same path with my dog every morning, I am going to see the same people out doing the same things. So I'm not on my phone. I'm making eye contact and smiling. And maybe I say something like, oh, I, your yard is beautiful or, or whatever, but we get to talking. Or if I'm going to the same cafe every Friday morning, there's probably the same group of moms in the corner doing their thing every Friday morning. That's when they meet up. Um, so how can we integrate routines? And then um, finally, those cheesy interest groups like on meetup.com, everybody's like, oh, I don't know if I want to like join an online group, um, but they're a good way to get plugged in. The only thing I always see with my clients is I challenge you to go at least more than once. So like at least three times, because we'll go one time and say, ah, I wasn't feeling it. That was awkward. I don't know. Yes, it's going to be awkward. 
Yes, you don't know anybody, but that's why you have to go about three times to give them a chance and to give them a chance to get to know something about you. So if somebody mentions something about their dog being sick the first meeting, then next week I can say, hey, you mentioned your dog was sick. Is, is everything okay? But now I've got something to work with and we look familiar to each other. So there's a lot of ways, but I guess essentially the theme would be stay curious, stay aware, and then be friendly when you spot an opportunity. And I'll, I'll just plug Meetup because when I moved to uh, from Toronto to New York, I was there for uh, a brief stint, about uh, three years. I knew nobody in the city. Like I knew everybody through, you know, my husband, you know, I would know, I knew the wives of the part, like my husband would work with, I knew the wives. Like I didn't have anybody. And those people, those ladies were lovely, but they also weren't my people. They were just you know, the people that I knew through acquaintance, through work. So I went to some of these meetups and I did, I ended up meeting some of my, you know, friends that I, um, that I met in New York, we had a great time together. And to your point, super awkward because you're putting yourself (laughs) out there. It feels so vulnerable to be like, Hey, I'm I'm looking for friends. Right. But I, I like what you're saying around you know, when you're, if you, you know, reach out to someone after a meeting and saying, Hey, you know, like, you're not saying like, Hey, you know what? I'm looking for friends. Do you want to be mine? It's like, Mm -hmm. I really appreciate what you, you said there. I, you know, I respect or I admire some quality that I've noticed in you. Cause that's kind of what we all want at the end of the day. Right. We all want to be seen, heard, maybe understood, you know, like these are beautiful things. Um, so I, 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 I like that a lot. And so once we start dropping these, um, you know, sprinkles, we'll say, um, what would be, um, you know, so if you're, you know, emailing a friend and say, Hey, I love what you said at the meeting or, you know, the dog, like, how's your dog doing? Or, you know, what are your, your best gardening tips? What would be sort of the next, like describe for me, like the friendship arc, like what happens from putting some feelers out there. And if you feel like you're getting, you know, a positive response, what would be like a low, maybe a low risk or a low key, um, thing that you might suggest if you wanted to, you know, hang out, if it's, is it a zoom call? Is it a, like, what would be some suggestions that you might have? Yeah. So that's a great question. You know, it's funny because, you know, I'm on TikTok and I'm always like doing these videos and women will be like, oh my God, I love this video because I try to do different tips, like how to maintain a conversation. Here's a a bad conversation habit you have. And I do all these little videos. And I very recently started to notice that even though the women were saying, oh my my God, this video was like exactly what I need today, that we're still kind of like, nitpicking, like I need a solution for this little thing. I need a solution for this. So even you saying right now, you know, how's, what's the trajectory look like? Like what's the process? Literally recently I was like, okay, we have to develop some kind of program to show us how to go from the beginning, like mindsets to creating friendships, to maintaining momentum, to dealing with friendship breakups, to moving on and starting again, because we have to learn how to be a friend the whole season through, instead of trying to nitpick solutions to the thing that's on the table today. Um, And so, so it's a lot, you know, so to your point, you know, you're asking, you know, how do we make friends? And I said some things and now it's like, okay. And then the next step, how do we keep momentum? So we, we, I have a program coming up um, in a couple weeks. That's going to walk women through that. But one thing I will say about the momentum thing is I want us to remember that it does take work. That's like the theme of this stage of friendships. Cause I, I, you know, identified five pillars of adult friendships. And that is um, the third one is keeping momentum. Um, And so the first thing I would say is you have to get your mind right. It is going to take work. You have to, you also have to get out of your head about like, am I looking clingy? Am I looking desperate? Well, I don't want to look 
We got to stop with that. Um, you know, a, a study from the University of Kansas, they attempted to estimate or to quantify how many hours it takes to become friends. Now, I have some issues with it, and it, but it's the best we've got, and, and it's referred to very widely. They decided that it takes 50, five, zero hours to feel like somebody is like a familiar associate. It takes 90, nine, zero to feel like, oh, that's my friend. And it takes 200 hours together to start to feel comfortable saying, that's my best friend. And I often joke, I wonder if we had like a timestamp on our heads, if we'd be more intentional about getting together and following up because we'd be like, oh my gosh, I see that we're only at 36 hours together. You want to grab coffee, you know? So it takes- like We're at 45, we're almost there. Yeah, we're almost <laughs> so close. Let's go yeah. to a concert, something. Yeah, um, yeah we'd be intentional because we're like, oh, I can see I'm, I'm working towards something, but- if we can operate as if we could see it visually, I think it'd be totally transformative in how we build new friendships. Um, so, you know, one, I want to say, keep as much as you can and like in a low risk environment. So, um, you know, that's why I said, you know, you want to get people one-on-one. So a lot of times we'll go back and forth on Instagram and DM. Can you take it out of social media, which is a very noisy town square and like come somewhere else where it's quiet? You know, do you guys feel comfortable exchanging numbers or hopping onto a different kind of app? There's lots of apps these days. One of my favorites is Voxer because I never know when I can get back to a text. So can we leave voice notes when we're available? Also, you want to kind of upgrade the personalization because that's a human on the other side of the phone. So maybe we're doing some emails, some, some DMs. Okay. But now I need to hear your voice. I challenge you to upgrade to voice notes and let me hear your voice. Let me hear you laugh. Let me hear your inflection. Um, I challenge you to send little videos. I saw this. I thought of you were like, Hey, I wanted to show you that thing, you know? So how can we increase the, the humanity of the, the, of the social exchanges as we're getting to know each other. Um, as far as like, okay, how often, what do I say? You know, you want to feel each other out. Um, but I definitely don't want us to get stuck in that. Well, I'm, if she reaches out, then I guess I'll, well, do you want to see her this weekend? Then you reach out. Is it possible that she says no? A hundred percent. Is it also possible? She's like, oh my God, I'm so glad you asked. I was thinking of you too. A hundred percent. So a lot of it requires us to get comfortable with rejection which sounds scary, but literally the closeness, connection, and depth you're craving is on the other side of scary. It's very possible that this other woman likes you just as much. And due to work, the kids, she hasn't gotten around to asking, but she loves the idea of linking up with you. So just ask. Um, one formula I like to give in the asking, because a lot of us will do that. We should get together sometime. Yeah. And it floats for a year. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so one thing I like to suggest is a formula of setting a um, time, an intention, and a duration. So I wouldn't just say like, oh, we should get together. I'd say like, yeah, you know what? We should we should um, catch up. Okay, that's the purpose. I just want to catch up. Uh, what do you think? Sunday, like eight o'clock, quick 30-minute phone call? Most people are going to say yes. And it's easier to say, okay, yeah, I buy into that because you've made it a clear picture for me. We're getting on the phone to talk about this thing for 30 minutes. I could do 30 minutes, but we get the trouble when it's like you want to hang out on Saturday. I mean, where, what, who's coordinating? How long do I have to what stay? What do I have to wear? Yeah. yeah what do I wear? It's like yeah, the mental yeah. labor. So yeah. you, I, I suggest go full in with your suggestion. Think it all the way through again, like we do in a romantic context. We're like, my man better have it all 
planned out. Don't be asking me what to do all the time. You figure same thing. Come at her with, Hey, I had this plan to go to this spot. What do you think? Just like spend an hour over a glass of wine or two and catch up. And I'm letting you know exactly what I want to do, what time we're leaving. So everybody has a nice, easy breezy out. Um, and so I've noticed that that increases your chances of hearing yes back from other women. But those are just some things to, to keep momentum. Um, and the last thing I'll say there is whenever we think about following up, it doesn't necessarily have to be a hangout. So to keep momentum, you have to keep asking to hang out. It just means staying top of mind. So um, guys do this a lot when they're like leading us on, but it just means staying top of mind. So <laughs> yes. maybe if I'm having a first conversation with a woman, she mentions this show that she is binging on Netflix and she loves it. Maybe a week later, I watched the first episode of that show. I text her and I say, hey, you mentioned that you're watching the show. I just watched the first episode. You're right. It's hilarious. Oh my gosh. That's it. But she feels connected. Like, oh, you took my recommendation. Like that feels good. We feel a little connected over it and I'm staying top of mind. I'm not suggesting a whole hangout. I'm just staying top of mind and staying in touch. And so it takes some work, but it's the very work required to get that closeness and depth that you're looking for. Sodium is an essential nutrient involved in the maintenance of normal cellular balance, the regulation of fluid and electrolytes, and your blood pressure. Start your morning right with a refreshing salty tonic of LMNT. It's spring season now, which means I will be enjoying watermelon or grapefruit salt on ice, and it is a fabulous way to balance stress hormones and make sure that I am maximizing my muscle gains. LMNT also has a no questions asked refund policy. Try watermelon or any flavor that you want, and if you don't like it, they will refund your money no questions asked, and you don't even need to return the box. Head over to drinklmnt.com forward slash Dr. Estima. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com forward slash D-R-E-S-T-I-M-A. And you will get a free LMNT sample pack with any purchase. And then there's an opportunity, you know, with the Netflix, Netflix example for you guys to, there's more conversation to be had. Like, what do you think about this character? And wasn't it so funny when they did this? And I don't trust this person. I think so there, so that's really like in terms of the keeping the momentum piece, that's a really easy way. And there's nothing better. You know, we're making recommendations all the time. When someone says, wow, I took you up on your recommendation and you were right. It's awesome. That there's another piece of alignment there. And you're like, oh my gosh, she's just like me, like, or she likes, you know, she's similar to me in this way. And we have a piece of, you know, piece of bonding, um, uh, to develop and to, uh, and to encourage. So that's great. I really love totally, that. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And a lot of us, we're trying to operate off of like what we already have in common, but could we discover new things together? So maybe you have never heard of the show, but you're going to try it. Oh, turns out you like it, you know, to your point that excites people. It feels good. Yeah. So let's, let's move into some of the common, uh, maybe stumbling blocks that we have when we have a friendship that's established. So we're going to assume that we've spent our 200 or more hours with this person. We feel like they know us. We feel like we know them. What are, and there's a couple of uh, specific, um, scenarios that I would like to explore with you, but what are some of the common ones that you're seeing in your practice where, uh, females are, you know, kind of, you know, bumping up against each other. What are some of the common issues that you're noticing or patterns that you see emerging in female friendships today? Oh my goodness. Okay. So, um, one big one, it doesn't matter what the specific issue is, but this is the theme is having a hard conversation with a friend. I want to tell her X, Y, Z, but how do I do that? 
or, or do and, and a lot of times the reluctance the reasons we're hesitant are the same i don't want to make a big deal um i don't want her to go and tell the other girls and they're now they're gossiping about me bringing it up um i don't want her to withdraw her friendship like get mad and start being weird you know and so we have the same host of reasons to withhold um that conversation but number you know one of the top ones would probably be i i want to say this thing to a friend but i don't think i'm gonna um i always argue that i think a lot of female friendships end prematurely because of that right there um so we'll start treating each other differently or she said something that rubbed us on the wrong way, but then we just sit with it and then we're like, ah, ah, gradually distance and it's over. Instead of saying, girl, you know, what did you mean by that? You know, um, so having hard conversations is a big one with female friends. Uh, I, conflict, I, I, we're very conflict averse, I think, as women. We totally, don't want to stir the boat. Yeah. Totally. And, and I've, I'm asked all the time sometimes, especially now by men, they're like, you know, why do you, why only women? Why? And I'm like, I only work with women because it's very unique. The way we're conditioned our, you know, our culture and its impact and what's appropriate and what's not biologically, the way we communicate our subtext girl code, there's just so much that makes it a little different from, from men in the way they communicate. But because of those things, yeah, it's not, you know, attractive to just shout out why you're mad, you know, be a lady. You know, um, we'll even confront each other. Smile. Like, hey, yeah. yeah, smile. We're even yeah. telling little girls, you know, the, the whole, we emphasize likability. You know, I was an English teacher before I got into this and I was teaching my students about how, you know, even when there's a protagonist in a story, if it's a female, we'll talk about whether or not we liked the character. For a male, we never discuss if we liked him. We're talking about everything else. But with female characters, you got a lot of kids like, I don't know, I just didn't like her. I didn't click with her. But we'll never do that about a male character. And so it's important to us that a woman be likable. Well, we don't want to push back against that characterization. So if I express my concern over this thing, is it going to make me unlikable? I want to be liked. Um, Even having a bunch of friends around is almost like a signal of your femininity, that that you're likable and fun and you have a big gaggle of girls behind you. And I don't want to threaten that by telling her it made me uncomfortable and yes. I don't want to be seen as a witch if I yes. say that yes. uh you know and, and and people please their friends they definitely don't want to ruffle feathers I just I'm just happy to be here you know um and so so there's a lot of that conflict is a big one in female friendships um Another one would be um, jealousy, which I know is kind of like a stereotype of us being jealous of each other. Uh, but, you know, I think sometimes it's jealousy too over, you know, um, over sharing the friend. So I have a lot of sessions with women about that. You know, uh, this is my friend, but now she's starting to hang out with other girls or the group of girls they haven't invited me lately. What's that about? So that whole inclusion being invited is a big thing. And what does that say about me as a woman um, is a big one. Um, managing, you know, feelings of loss around friendship breakups is another one. You know, women coming to me because they can't wrap their minds around why they're still so sad. Um, and even that, again, for women, it's really tough we do get very intimate in our friendships. Uh, we get really close and really personal. And so, you know, for a myriad of reasons, one, when your friend leaves and the, and the friendship's over, you feel a little exposed because she's leaving with all the things you told her and all the things you went through and not your shiniest moments, you know? And so you feel a little exposed because she, she's gone and she took your secrets with her. Um, you know, there's a lot of support in our culture for romantic loss. Uh, I often joke, you know, if you were at a, a brunch with girlfriends, friends and you're waiting on one more friend to arrive and somebody at the table said oh you know when when danielle gets here everybody be sensitive she she just got over a breakup collectively we'd all be like 
like, oh my gosh, okay, say no more. If you said everybody be sensitive with Danielle because she's getting over like a friendship breakup, you'd be like, what? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Like, it's not normal to be like, I'm really sad because I lost my friend. Um, so you don't even get to grieve it properly because it's like, what's wrong with you? And then, you know, finally, we have a lot of language when we're coming up as women best friends forever and, and and all that so we don't even expect the friendship to ever be over like when you get into it with somebody romantically you know you're like ah, I don't 50 percent divorce rate <laughs> okay there you go you know yeah. but with the friend you never yeah. get into it wondering about totally it being over that's yeah. not even like a thought in your head if anything we think the opposite we start visualizing like you know happily ever after with this girl like she's cool she could be like my best friend she's cool we never entertain the idea of it being over and so when it is i think we're having like a, a crazy mental shift of like wait what because this is not supposed to be over and what does it say about me as a friend that I couldn't keep a friend you know so a lot of stuff attached to self-worth I believe too when it doesn't work out because if this woman was the one who accepted me flaws and all and now she is electing to not be a part of that what does that say about me that I'm no longer interesting or funny or worthy anymore um so so there's a lot that's very unique to women and their friendships these are such good topics. I want to unpack each of them. Um, so I've just made a note here. We're going to go through each of them. So let's come back to conflict. Um, and I can, I can offer, um, I can offer a, a personal, um, uh, anecdote here in that I think, and, and I think that the pandemic has really highlighted, um, we we've seen a very, uh, we'll say lots of different types of personality traits and behaviors really come to the surface, good, bad, mm -hmm. ugly. Okay. And I have found myself, um, with colleagues specifically. So maybe this is actually, maybe this is not the best example, but, um, <laughs> you know, with colleagues, I've been people who I respect immensely, who've been mentors to me, have opinions that have been really disappointing, mm. um, for a myriad of reasons. Now I still respect immensely their dedication to their craft and their mastery. But for, you know, when I look at them now, it's like, oh, but he, you know, but he has this thing that I completely disagree with. So, you know, you have, you talk about, and I've listened to a couple of your podcasts and looked at your work before, um, coming on to our conversation today. And you have this, you know, speak up or shut up. Like, you know, <laughs> when do you speak up? When do you shut up? And in, in all of these cases, I'll just hang myself up to dry here. I have not said anything. Mm -hmm. I have looked at it and I, I have confided in, you know, one of uh, another colleague that this one particular colleague, I felt like he broke my heart. Like I said, you know, mm -hmm. I just absolutely adored everything he stood for. And then he sort of went off of this tangent and I, I was, I was, I felt like it was like, it felt like I was gut punched. So I know that it's not a female friendship, which makes this a very bad example. Um, but when do we speak up? When do we shut up? And if we do speak up, what are some of the um, hallmarks of not activating the ego? Because I can only imagine that if you're like, you know what, Danielle, I really hated what you posted online the other day. Like that was just the stupidest thing. You're not going to get anywhere with that. Like someone's going to say, excuse me, like take your bad attitude. And like, I, like, I don't want to hear. So talk to me about what, how we can determine whether or not we should be speaking up. And then if we do decide and when not to speak up, and then if we do decide to 
to do that, what would be some good guidelines for broaching the subject? Because as you said before, we are very conflict averse. We don't want to rock the boat. We want to have our gaggles of girls and we, it's, you know, the squad goals, you know, Mm -hmm. ride or die crew, et cetera. (laughs) So how, how do we, how do we bridge that? I think the example you gave with the colleagues is great because I think that issue emerged for so many people, especially this year. You know, last summer I had a surge of women come in over the summer and their issue was, I see my friends differently. What do I do? Because so many value based things surfaced over the past year. Um, You know, Black Lives Matter, um, wearing a mask or not, is COVID real or not? Um, a tense election. Those are very intricately woven into our identity in terms of our values and our worldview. And so if these people I love hanging out with are saying something that's so contradictory to what I believe to be healthy for the world, it is hard to go back to hanging out because it becomes a respect thing. And at the end of the day, I want to respect my friend and I can't respect my friend. Um, And so, you know, I I hear some people say, well, sometimes just agree to disagree. And that's true. But I know sometimes it's hard to befriend someone when you discover they have a certain worldview that you believe is is threatening, problematic or dangerous, you know? Um, So whenever it comes to those kinds of conflicts or other conflicts, you know, a couple things. One is I want you to get really honest with yourself about what the purpose is. If the purpose is to tell her about herself or I'm going to help her see all the ways in which she's wrong, I'm going to ask you to pump the brakes until we figure this out. If it's because like, hey, my goal is I want to be closer with her. So I want to understand like where she's coming from. That's why I'm going to bring it up because I feel like I need to understand this and I don't, or because I truly believe that that my or that thing she's saying or doing is going to be a problem to other people, threatening, dangerous in some way. I think it's an extension of this greater systemic issue. I feel like I need to like talk to her, you know, then let's talk about it. Um, If I'm trying to create some kind of solution with her, uh, we got to talk about it. If it's a personal boundary that's being crossed, you better talk about it. And I don't just mean a personality difference like, God, you know, I'm more reserved. She's so loud sometimes that I wouldn't touch. She's a loud girl. That's what she talks loud. You know, that I wouldn't touch because that's her. And maybe I find ways to sneak off when I need to recharge my battery because she's a lot. But as far as, you know, addressing things people can't change or things that, you know, are really personal about their appearance, things like that, you might want to think twice. But if it's something where a person keeps bringing something up saying something or doing something and it makes you uncomfortable or you feel like you can't settle in to to being comfortable with them or you feel threatened, you're going to have to bring that up because it's going to manifest itself in other ways. You're either going to be talking about the issue to everybody else in your life and they're tired of hearing it. You're either going to start uh, having passive aggressive tendencies because that anger is going to manifest itself somehow. And so it's going to be snippy remarks. You're going to start ghosting her and withdrawing to retreat a little bit because you're uncomfortable. And now she's wondering where you went. And so it's going to come out in some way. Uh, If you decide that like, actually, yeah, I feel like this is something we have to talk through. I'm not just being critical for the sake of criticizing. We have to talk through this. A couple of things. The first thing I encourage women to lead with is is this exercise. I want you to think about the main reason you don't want to have the conversation. Why are you hesitating? Whatever your answer is to that question should be your first sentence, in my opinion, because that's leading with vulnerability. So that looks like me saying to her, hey, Ashley, um, 
I didn't want to talk to you about this. I've been like putting it off because last thing I want is for you to go and tell the other girls and it becomes like this whole drama thing. That's like the last thing I want. But I thought I have to bring it up so that you and I, so that we're on the same page and we're cool and like we understand each other. So that's why I'm bringing it up. So you'll notice I not only led with vulnerability, like I don't want you to withdraw. I don't want it to be drama with the girls. And I also set my intention. So she knows I'm doing this because I'd like the outcome to be that we're closer and we understand each other better as opposed to, I need to tell you about yourself. So pull up a chair and listen up. Which yeah, no And you're wants. important enough for me to be uncomfortable. Like exactly. you're important enough and this relationship means enough to me for me to be this uncomfortable. Exactly. Yeah. And letting them know from the beginning, like we're on the same page. I don't want you to withdraw your friendship. I don't want it to be weird between us because if you ever, you know, stopped hanging out with me, I'd, I'd miss you too much. So I hope you don't, you know, feel weird about it, you know, and letting them know from the very beginning, sometimes it's body language. So, you know, I'm on video with you now. So you can see even when I'm saying I'm kind of smiling as opposed to the thing we do where we kind of like cringe and we're visibly uncomfortable, which makes it look like we're not even sure about our message. And if you're not confident in it, why should I believe you? And so like looking her in the eyes, you know, kind of smiling where appropriate and having thought through what you want to say. So you can say it without stumbling. So you can say it without those, uh, those phrases that tend to dilute our message where we're like, but I wanted to mention something, but I don't know, maybe I'm crazy. I don't know. Maybe I'm being sensitive. Maybe, stop, no, no, you're not. Like, you know? What is it? So, what, what yeah, is it? <laughs> yeah. What's the thing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, you tell her whatever the thing is, uh, you know, the, the last thing I suggest is that you prepare questions you want to ask and not a bunch of things you want to say. And so the direction of my conversation is going to look different. If I go into it, like, you know, Hey, I didn't want to bring this up because the last thing I want is for it to be awkward between us, but I wanted to make sure we're on the same page. I just wanted to ask you about, you know, you made a comment at dinner, uh, in front of the whole group, you, you said something. And I just wanted to know, like, what, what did you mean by that? Like when you said it, it stuck with me all night, what were you trying to say? Like, what did you mean? As opposed to, you know, it felt like you were being kind of jealous and I thought it was rude that you came at me, you know? And so now let me ask some questions because one, she might be like, oh my gosh, I already know I was being snippy. I'm sorry. And there's no need for me to say anything else. It could be a chance for her to actually explain. And it's not what I thought at all. Now, I don't even have to finish what I was going to say, but if I have an attitude of curiosity, then it can change the whole outcome of that conversation. Um, I read something, uh, some research that was saying that the best way to get somebody to change their mind is to have them question the evidence upon which they even base their opinion. So when we get into these political type things, it's not, how could you think that? Like, are you serious right now? It's going to that friend who said that crazy thing and being like, I just, I'm, I'm so curious, like, what has happened that you've seen that even makes you think that? Like, where does that come from? Because maybe they've never been prompted to even identify that. They're just repeating what mom and dad have always said at the dinner table. And no one's asked them, why would you think that about an entire group of people? Like, what have you, what have you seen that makes you say that? You know, and now we're in a conversation. Um, I do think that when it comes to, do I let this person go or not? Um, and by the way, when you finish that conversation, I think that you should try to uh, hang out as soon as possible. So I like to say like, okay, so we're cool. Well, do you want to go and do that thing tomorrow at two o'clock? Are we still on to normalize conflict and friendship? Like we're good. But I had to let you know that whenever you say this thing, it makes me feel really uncomfortable. And hopefully her response is, oh my gosh, I'm so, I didn't know that made you uncomfortable. I'm sorry. That's how that conversation is supposed to go, you know? Um, but uh, if you realize, okay, this is not salvageable. And the thing that we're different on, I just, I can't stomach it. 
That's okay. Uh, two things to ask yourself is one, is it a matter of boundaries? So let's say she keeps saying something and you're like, I hate it. Can she at least agree to not say it around you? At least at the minimum. If so, well, then maybe you guys can salvage your friendship. You just have some parameters around who can say what because it gets kind of tense. If that's not enough for you, you know, then rethink that. The second thing is, is it a matter of your humanity and identity? So if I discover my friend thinks a certain thing and I'm like, uh, that totally degrades me and my family and my, and you're like, and I my can't, history and where I and come my from. History, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can't elect to do this. That's fine too. Mm -hmm. You know, you get to make that decision for yourself. And so I know some people are like, oh, we should be able to agree to disagree on something. Sure. But, uh, but not my humanity. Right. And so how do you, I mean, how would you break up with someone? How would, you know, is it, you know, it's always easy to ghost. We've all experienced it in, yeah. you know, the dating world. And even, even I would say in the friendship realm as well, what would, so imagine that this friend has an opinion that goes against some of your core values against your humanity. How do you, how do you end that friendship? Do you tell them that you're ending the friendship or do you put more distance and more time in, cause you were talking about this frequency of repetition and familiarity. Do you start to decrease that and pull away? Like what, what is the right thing to do? Is ghosting ever the right thing to do? Ghosting is never the right thing to do. And I know it's so hard and it's like the easiest thing to do. So you're just like, man, I'm just not going to respond. I hope she gets the hint. Um, but it's always so hard because to me, that's a, just a matter of like dignity. Like I owe it to her to tell her. Um, I think there's nothing wrong personally with doing the thing where you do start to retreat a little bit, not ghosting, but maybe we were hanging out every weekend and now I'm like, eh, I'm not taking as much initiative because I'm not as excited. I, I don't know that I want to hang out. That's okay. I think where it becomes wrong is when that's not mutual. So if somebody's always come after me, she still wants to hang out and I'm not responding or I'm giving short responses, then it becomes lopsided. But if both people start to do it and we both know why, like, okay, we see the world differently. We've already hashed this out a couple of times. Then there's nothing wrong with that. You know, friendships end all the time for some of our friendships. That's going to be a part of the life cycle. In fact, research tells us that we replace half of our friends every seven years. And so it's to be expected that, you know, this cycle is over. We had a great time together. You were in my life when I really needed someone to laugh with and help me through this thing. We had a great time. But, you know, the whole like, I got to keep this going because we have a history. We've been friends for 20 years, so I can't opt out now. Well, I don't know if it doesn't. I don't want to say if it doesn't serve you anymore because that sounds selfish. But if you find that, you know, you've totally lost interest, you have no interest in their, their life updates. It's emotionally exhausting to be around them. It's not a pleasant experience. I mean, come on, you know, um, and so, you know, I think a mutual fading happens all the time. And I think it's also okay if there's, you know, things that are, you put everything on the table. So everybody knows why we're kind of fading a little bit. We've lost our luster and this has kind of run its cycle. I think that's totally fine. It becomes problematic when one person's retreating and the other person doesn't know. I think at that point, it maybe requires a conversation. Again, in a romantic context, we'd be like, well, of course, if you're going to stop things, you got to talk about it. But in a friendship, we're like, you know, they're so easy to fall into. They're so easy to come out of and we're not signing contracts there's no milestones and so i think you know it feels weird but i think we have to normalize having conversations when you want it to be over too as opposed to well i'm just gonna not respond to her texts which to me is just rude even if she's totally wrong it's rude and so i owe her an explanation especially where 
this is not toxic behavior. Like if she, you, if you curse me out at Applebee's and call me out my name, I don't know that I need to explain to you that you disrespect me. Right. Um, but you know, to say something like, Hey, listen, I'm feeling really weird about our conversation the other day. And I think it's really hard for me to, to get past. You can either ask for space or you can say like, I kind of don't know how to move forward um, from the talk that we had and make it plain like that. The only thing I ask is that you never put it on the other person. Like you're to this, you're to that. This is all about you and what you need moving forward. So let's not put it on other people, even though, you know, yeah, maybe she was a lunatic. I need you to not tell her you're a lunatic. So maybe just say like, I don't think I have the emotional capacity anymore to be totally honest, to keep things moving forward. And I'm still feeling uncomfortable after our conversation. I don't know how to get past that. I'm being honest. I'm telling you, I don't feel equipped to do this anymore. And I'm not making it about how you are so flawed, but at least now a person knows like, oh, okay. I might be mad. I might be like, oh, she thinks she's so whatever, but I got to respect you because you told me straight up. Yeah. And I think in, in any endeavor, um, I remember when I was cl- closing my clinic, um, like the physical practice of my clinic. And I knew that when I d- made the decision to close it and when we actually closed it, it was about call it four to six months or so. And Mm. that time was an eternity for me. Mm. And I I actually hired a coach at the time to help me through it. Because I think that once we make a decision, like in this case with the friendship, you say, listen, this is just something that I can't get over. I can't move on from here. Once we make that decision, I think that there is an urgency. There typically may feel like an urgency for us to like end it and it's done and it's over. I need to rid myself of this energy and I need to burn sage and like we're done. (laughs) And I think... I like what you're saying around, it doesn't matter what the issue is, but when you, what I think I'm hearing you saying is that when you look back on the way that you treated this person, you can look back and say, I did this with integrity and I stayed true to my values and I treated her in the way that I would have wanted to be treated if the roles were reversed. Totally. Totally. Cause that's a matter of, that's a you thing. That's not a her thing. I always, you know, even dating, if you saw, you know, your partner or somebody mistreat somebody else or, and they're like, well, she did it to me. So I'm going to do it to her. Your behavior cannot be dictated by other people. So you do it with dignity because that's how you let somebody go and how they respond is on them. Okay. So that is really great. Let's talk a little bit about jealousy. So you mentioned it a little bit, you know, with the, you know, friend making like a little snippy remark or or what have you. I think many women um, can relate to either feeling envious of other women in their circle, whether it's they're getting ahead in their career or maybe it's, you know, a colleague or someone you're like, wow, they're getting all the stuff. And like, I, you know, we are envious because we want those things for us as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think sometimes there can be a bit of a scarcity mentality with women where we think only that person's going to be able to get the big book deal or only that person's going to be able to get the big TV, sl- whatever. Um, so we, I think we all, if we're being honest with ourselves can say we've looked at other women and have felt envious And I think we all know what it's like when we can just sense there's something in the air, you know, where someone has not ill will, but you sort of Mm -hmm. feel this negative um, energy. So how do we um, how do we deal with our own feelings of envy? Mm -hmm. What what does that mean in terms of the own our own inner work that we may need to do? 
And then what do we do when we have the friend that's making snippy remarks or we have the friend that we feel is pulling away from us because of this issue of jealousy? What are some of the strategies that we might we might think to do? Yeah. First, I I think there's, I understand how some stereotypes come to be. So the whole, like the jealous women and women are jealous of each other to your point about the scarcity mindset. I think that all day we've been taught that there's only room for one woman. Like, Oh, we already have a woman on the team. We already have a woman on the board. And so it feels like, Oh, I was supposed to be the the woman slot. So now there's no slots for me. Um, you know, so I think there's a lot of that. I also think in conjunction with that, and again, I'm no, you know, sociologist, but I also wonder how much of it is, um, the way women are celebrated and, and, and seen as women. And so we're applauded for having a mate. We are applauded for having kids. We are applauded for doing all the things and these milestones. And so if I feel like I'm behind because my friend got married, but I'm not married yet. And so I start to think about my own track and if I'm on track, but she's beating me and it's, it's like this linear thing. I think I, I am going to put a lot of that on, on how we're conditioned and what our society values in women. And as much as we resist, resist, sometimes we're susceptible to adopting the mindsets and believing in ourselves. I really think that fuels some of the jealousy we might be experiencing. I don't even think it's about our friends. I think it's about feeling like we're getting left behind and there's only so much left to grab and and my friends are getting it and I'm not getting it. And it can breed some messy stuff. If you do feel like, okay, is she jealous of me? What's going on here? Um, My number one rule of jealousy is never call her jealous. I don't think that's ever worked out ever (laughs) for somebody like, what are you jealous? Like that never has And they're never going to be like, you know what? I am. Yeah. yeah, Like, who do you think you are? That's what you're going to get. You know, jealous of you. Um, So never use the word just, just a, just a general tip. The second thing is, you know, kind of going back to what I said earlier about having an attitude of curiosity. Um, so if she did say something snippy at dinner, when you announced your promotion and all the girls were like, girl, that's great. You're killing it. She was like, Oh, well, I mean, like you've been there for like 10 years, right? Like, I mean, promotion, like it's about time, right? Like something snippy like that. And you know, that it wasn't in your head, you know, curiosity. So saying like, Hey, I feel like, you know, did I say something to rub you the wrong way when we went to dinner? Because I noticed that like, at one point we we're all kind of like celebrating, but you seemed like bothered. I feel like I noticed you were bothered. Or is that like, is that just in my head to let her know? I know I saw that, but help me out. Like, is it in my head? It gives her a chance to refute it, but either way, it lets her know that I know. Um, and it kind of calls it out in a, in a subtle way, but also I'm, I'm being curious. Like, was that in my head? Are we good? Um, or if, if I might if be I'm, that you've misunderstood, it could be it very could totally well that be. you did yeah. misunderstand that. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, you know, another thing is we have to remember it is not her versus you. I don't care if even it is like, let's say you, um, started that new business or, you got a house and she's not yet bought a house, you know, so you're celebrating it, but it seems like she's never happy whenever you bring up the house stuff and shopping for the house and the housewarming, she doesn't seem like thrilled. We're tempted to think like, oh, okay. Well, I guess she's not a real friend. Oh, I guess she's not. And we start to do me versus her, which is so tempting and natural, but I almost want us to draw on some sympathy and compassion because it's not even about you. You getting a house might make her feel like, oh, well, you know, she knows her finances aren't there yet. feels very insecure about that. And every time you bring it up, it reminds her of how she's not there yet. It's not even about you. Whenever we receive things and somebody seems to be jealous by that, they see what you have 
as a reflection of what they can't have. Your having is them not having or getting less. It's not even about you as much as you think it is. Even if she thinks it's about you, it can't possibly be. It's about whatever you having represents to her. Um, it's never about the woman ever. Um, and so I think as much as we can depersonalize jealousy, I wonder if that might stop some things from like bubbling up that didn't even have to get that intense because it's not about that other woman. You really need to do the work of like, man, why does this bother? bother me so much. I always tell women, you know, to your point, we've all been there. So if I realize like, gosh, it's, I'm in a season where it is really hard for me to see my friends talk about their boyfriends. Like I can't right now, you know, I just went through this breakup. Like, no, I, I'm not in a spirit to celebrate them right now. It's hard. That's okay. You know, so how do I adapt that? Do I maybe not go to certain things where I know it's going to be like a couple focused because I don't even know how I'm going to do with that or, or whatever, but how can I do some work where I'm not shading, you know, on them unintentionally and get myself together. A part of it sometimes comes with verbalizing. I mean, and being super vulnerable and saying like, ah, oh, it's so hard. I feel like such a witch because I just, I don't know. I'm so happy for you guys, but like, I, I think I'm still like stuck on my breakup. So it's hard for me to like really show you just how happy I am down under there for you, you know, and even making a joke of it, but letting them know, like, dang, I'm struggling or even saying, you know, it, it almost takes the air out of any jealousy you do feel to tell her to make it plain the things you are thinking. So she buys a house and instantly you go to thinking like, crap, well, I'm behind or I even telling her like, well, dang girl, you, well, you are goals. I'm trying to get like you, like what, what did you do? Cause I feel so behind. It just kind of takes any power out of, of jealousy, breeding and festering and, and creates open lines of communication. So, I mean, if you're, if you are strong enough, I say you verbalize the thing, it could bring you closer. Um, and if you're not, then recognize, well, maybe you need to have some alone time because your inability to be happy is going to sour um, everybody else's experience right now. I like the verbalization of it so much because I think that any good friend who hears that would be like, of course, of course you feel like that. What, like I'll temper down, like I, I'm still going to celebrate that I bought the house or mm -hmm. did the thing. Um, but of course I can understand how that might impact you. And I love you anyway. Like any yeah. friend worth their salt would be like, of course you feel like that. I totally get mm -hmm. why you would feel like that. So what happens when we lose friends? So you said, you know, a really funny example of like, everyone just like tread a little carefully, you know, Danielle just broke up with her boyfriend and everyone's like, we got it. No problem. Say no more. But like, she's just getting over, you know, a friend that, you know, didn't work out or whatever the language might be. How do we grieve the loss of someone who either pulled away from us prematurely and we didn't want that to happen, or it was the mutual fade, you know, what, how do we properly, and I know those are two different scenarios, but how, how would we properly grieve that? Do we give ourselves, um, you know, do we give ourselves pity parties? Like what, what is it that we, what is it that we do to honor the loss that we've, we've experienced and, um, and to move forward? I said, you totally get that pint of ice cream and you totally cry at those cheesy girls from uh, girl films and you get it out. Step one, you know, this whole acting tough or belittling her in front of your other friends. Um, we need to cut all that out or acting like it didn't hurt your feelings. We need to stop. Go ahead and, and cry about it. You, you cry about it. You cry for what was and, and you miss her and God, it really sucks. And you go through all that. Uh, the next step would be to try to find a way to stop replaying and rehearsing. So I often say, you know, they tell us that when we get a song stuck in our head, 
it helps to try to force yourself to play the ending of the song so that it can stop. Because normally we play like that chorus loop on repeat. Force yourself to play the ending so it can stop. I would like to argue the same would be true for a friendship breakup. So we're constantly replaying, especially if it was like a one scene where it kind of all came to this climax. You're replaying. If I Well, if I said this, or maybe if she would have did it, she didn't. It's over. It's over now. And so force yourself to close your eyes and imagine what life on the other side looks like with her not in anymore. It's sad, but it's over now. That's a part of helping you kind of advance a little bit. That's replaying. The next would be rehearsing. So we're thinking, well, if I see her again, well, the next time I'm going to tell her this, well, if I saw her again, I'd tell her stop rehearsing. You know, we kind of get obsessed with it. Now, if you really do want to rekindle a friendship, you know, that's something differently. And I say, you know, go for it. If you still have things to say or questions, but you need to be emotionally prepared for the outcomes is what I tell clients before you do that. So are you okay with the possibility that she might not respond at all or that she's going to respond very negatively? Are you emotionally prepared for that? And that you can say to yourself, well, you know what? I tried. I, I said my piece. I tried. Looks like it's not going to work. Um, so if you want to rekindle or you're trying to do that, that's fine. But be prepared for her not to feel the same. And that's OK. Um, and then finally, again, I know it sounds life coachy and cheesy, but it's true. Try to find a way to find some gratitude. And so a lot of us, we still use present tense language. You know, I don't know what happened with us. She I mean, I guess she's my friend, but we can't. It's, it's over now. So now I use past tense language to train my brain that we're done. So maybe I'll say something, you know, the next time somebody inevitably asks like, oh, are you and Susan still talking? Like what happened with you guys? You know, I don't really know what happened. And I, I try to figure it out sometimes. I have no idea. But I tell you what, like, I got to say, we had some good times, me and Susan. Like we really did. And I'm just thankful that she was in my life for the season that she was because Lord knows I needed her company during it. That way, I'm not, from a reputation standpoint, I'm not bitter. Nobody can go back and tell Susan I'm, I'm bad mouthing her. And I'm trying to find a way to be grateful for the season that we had, as opposed to obsessively being a little bitter about it and still curious and not over it. Uh, recently, I had a client who was who was like, people are going to ask me like these, I haven't talked to these girls and I'm scared because people are going to ask me what happened. And I'm going to be like, I don't know. What did they say? Like, they won't talk to me. Are they saying anything? And I'm like, oh, girl, no. It's over. It's <laughs> right. over. We're yeah. not going to be asking around. What did, what did they say? It's over and that's okay. Um, and then finally, put yourself in some new situations. And so when we have routines, we get, tend to get into the same routines with friends. We have the same spot. We go to every Friday, we call. And if you're keeping those same routines when she's absent, it only highlights her absence even further. You can really notice she's gone. So it sounds, you know, oversimplified, but can you introduce some new routines, like a, a new route to work, a new little ritual for yourself on Friday nights to replace what you guys used to have, just to kind of switch it up, distract yourself a little bit and invite new opportunities into your life. Tell us about your program. So this is all such amazing information and it answers a lot of the questions that are asked of me all the time. Like, how do I make friends as an adult? What is a, what does a friendship arc look like? You know, all the things and what happens with conflict? Like, tell us about your training, where people can find you. And, um, I, I'm assuming you, you, you take one-on-one -on -one clients and mm -hmm. yeah. So tell us about how, if people are wanting to be coached by you, to work with you, tell, tell them all the things. Yeah, so everything lives at Better Female Friendship 
friendshipsfriendships.com. Nice and easy, betterfemalefriendships.com. And I address a lot of these issues every week on my podcast, the Friend Forward podcast. But um, like I was saying earlier, you know, one-on-one sessions are the most popular. Like you have nobody to talk about this with and you feel like, oh, but if I talk to my friends about it, I mean, that it's like a conflict of interest or I'm going to look like I'm talking behind her back. And sometimes our spouse, like they just don't get it. They're like, whatever. And you're like, okay, you know, and so it's hard to find that person you can talk to about this. They get it. They're not giving you biased advice as a friend of yours. Um, and so I think women find the sessions really valuable. So I do those all the time. It's, it's one of the greatest joys of my life is for women to invite me in. It's very, a very personal, tender thing. Um, but like I said earlier, you know, I do all these videos and, and I've noticed that women take the video that helps with the thing for right now. And it's just like, I'm, I've recently noticed it's just, it's never over, you know? So I like being on social. I like that the videos perform well, but it's never over because you're always going to be nitpicking. And so I thought, okay, we, we've got to do something bigger. I need you to get how the whole thing works so you can stop trying to find a little piece of something for this little thing. It's never going to stop. So it's kind of like when you have a house and you're, you keep patching things up, it's like at some point you need a new house. And so the idea of the program is to teach us how to master adult friendships from literally the very beginning to the end. And I will teach you everything you need to know for the five pillars of friendship, uh, you know, mindsets, creating new friendships friendships and connections, maintaining momentum, managing the end of a friendship, and then having resilience and getting back out there and doing it again. But until you learn it, you're going to have those same issues over and over and over and keep fooling yourself to thinking it's the woman. It's the woman. It's just this unique thing. But it's like, no, there's some things you need to work out. And so the idea is to teach us how to master adult friendships. And you will have that knowledge for the rest of your life and be able to like, friendship will be like your thing. Um, And so that's really relatively new. We're launching it in just a couple weeks. Um, again, the details are at betterfemalefriendships.com. And then if you just want some fun videos, that is at TikTok. Uh, my uh, handle is the friendship expert over on TikTok. And we've had several videos go viral, which is cool, like millions of views. Um, but honestly, I don't think it's me. I think it's because no one's talking about it. And I think people feel like, finally, that she's in my head. Um, so if you're looking for some some tangible go-to stuff right now, um, TikTok would be your best bet. But um, but it's been a fun ride, you know, doing the friendship coaching and and I and I've met some really cool women and to hear their stories about how it's helping and no one else is speaking to these issues is 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 an honor to be a part of. That's fantastic. And did you mention the name of the program? It's Friendship Elevated. Okay. Friendship Elevated. <laughs> awesome. So all of this will be in the show notes um, for my Bettys to check out, but I just wanted to make sure that we got a call out, a shout out on the, uh, on the program name as well. Danielle, this has been just a joy, really has been such a joy. You are so balanced with, you know, grieving. Like, I think that one of the things that I see in society at large is we are not okay with death, you know, in all forms, in all forms. Um, and, uh, you know, we ship off our, our grandparents to palliate, like to nursing homes. So we can't see what happens. And I think that the same is true, um, with friendships. We are not comfortable with it. And the way that you speak about it so openly, honestly, with like tangible how to's, I think, I understand why you're getting millions of views. Like these are like, you're hitting a nerve, which I think has been untouched and it's raw. And uh, I'm like, I'm here for it. I love it. And I'm so happy that you came on the podcast. Thank you for being here. I appreciate you. Thank you for having me. All right. I hope that you enjoyed my conversation with Danielle. And now you have some 
tools and tips and strategies for improving the relationships that you have already in your life and for, you know, here's to creating new and meaningful friendships. It is the way forward, I believe, in terms of our health, brain health, mental health, and of course, our immunity as well. And as I leave you from the, with the better um, podcast this week, I do want to read a review that came in from Panama. This is from, I believe, I hope I'm saying this correctly, uh, Jose Diaz V. And uh, the podcast reads, dealing or the review reads, dealing with uncertainty. I just listened to the episode where you talk about anxiety, anxiety, fear, and uncertain times. And I agree that while many things remain outside our control, our mindset is the key to coping with difficult circumstances and confidently facing the unknown. I'm looking forward to listening more. Well, thank you so much. As I mentioned, we get reviews all over the world all the time. And I love seeing, I believe this is my first review from Panama. So gracias. I am so thankful and um, humbled that you took the time to uh, leave a review. And if you are somebody who also is getting value out of the podcast, please subscribe. You get the episodes as soon as they drop and leave a five-star rating or a review. As I mentioned, I read them all, I see them all, and I take them under my wing as I continue to create content. So thank you very much. And I will see you all on Geeky Magic this Wednesday. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. For those of you who want to continue on this week's Geeky Magic Carpet Ride with me, visit bettershow.co forward slash show notes. You'll find research, links, summary notes, musings that I prepared in preparation for the podcast. And I often throw in some of my best practices, bonuses, and links. All the juicy bits are in there for you. 